If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to Joseph Arthur's Technicolor Dreamcast. Coming at you live from New York City. There was a siren just outside of this beautiful gallery I am in right now. Michelle Max Gallery in the West Village of New York City. Uh, getting cultured, ladies and gentlemen. Having fun. Playing a couple of rock and roll shows. I have not had my nose to the grindstone about news events, but my next guest was informing me a little bit about what's going on in Texas and the border situation there, and we're going to get into that, plus much more with him. It's it's going to be awesome. His name is Bryce Eddy, and he is an entrepreneur and businessman. He has spent more than 25 years in risk management, and let's face it, Life is getting riskier all the time. Also, insurance and security industries. Bryce has spent a lifetime in martial arts, so you probably don't want to mess with him. Um, and he holds a black belt. Yeah, you definitely don't want to mess with him. Under the legendary Jean-Jacques Machado. I've never heard of Jean-Jacques Machado, but I wish I was named Jean-Jacques Machado. Anyway, and he owns 805 Combat Sports in Southern California. Bryce serves as a consultant for private security firms, and partners with law enforcement agencies to train individuals, veterans, and LEO for work in the world of safety and security. He also sits on the board of one of the country's most prominent conservative political organizations, and he's also a host of a show on the Salem Podcast Network. He's also a good-looking guy. I don't know what that means, but, you know, <laughs> that do doesn't hey. hurt. Anyway, welcome to the show, Bryce. Thank you for coming on. How's it going, my friend? Hey, well, thank you, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you know, I just moved out of California and landed here in Idaho, and uh, I'm in the uh, uh, Treasure Valley uh, near Boise in a place called Eagle. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it feels like America here, so I'm enjoying it so far. I love Boise, Idaho. I've played some rock and roll shows in Boise, Idaho. They know how to rock there. It's It's a good energy. It's one of those hidden gems in America. I mean, Maybe it's not hidden, but, you know, like big city folks wouldn't think of Idaho first and foremost as like potential places to land. But it's it's a good one for sure. Yeah, well, I'm glad that because that means the left isn't moving here. And the people that are coming <laughs> from California are, are uh, uh, let's see, more solidly right wing than even some of the Idahoans that live here. And And partly the reason for that is because some of the guys that have already been here haven't seen what the left has planned for us. And uh, and so, you know, they're they're uh, if you're coming from California, you know that the the um, California hates its citizens. And so you're you're a little bit, I, I think, extra on um, on guard or alert for, um, you know, the, the political movements and the things that can affect our liberty. And I'm a I'm a liberty guy. I'm a patriot. And, you know, I want uh, I want us to be uh, able to remain free. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm in New York City right now and I moved out of here. I lived here for 25 years um, and I moved to Arizona, I guess, almost two years ago now. And, you know, the energy here is pretty great. I have to say, like you, you hear people talk about, oh, my God, it's done. It's over. And, you know, the East Village oh, it almost feels like a big college bar at this point. It's kind of weird. But and then there is edge going on. There's lots of um, immigrants now, like taking over Tompkins Square Park. So there's that whole immigration conundrum yeah. happening 
on the streets here. I mean, even my flight over here, it was interesting to say the least what was going on. It was unlike anything I'd ever really experienced before. And you get to wondering what's going on in the country, what's happening here. And you start, you hear about it on the news and then you start seeing it in your life and it's 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 curious as to what's happening so and we and we sort of talked about right before the show start what's going on in texas and this sort of impending people are calling it a kind of a junior civil war or something because the state is uh trying to implement actual border controls and then the federal government is resisting this what's going on in your view you said you had uh, a, a interesting take on this so i'm wondering what that is maybe you can educate me yeah well um well i hope so i mean you know what's happening right now is we we are in a war and we've been in a civil war for for quite some time and the um the tension right now is rising and we have a developing kind of breaking um situation in texas where yeah uh, governor abbott has decided that okay they're going to do what they need to to lock down the border because we do have an invading force um i got to participate um and be a part of carrie lake's border policy team and through some of the uh stuff that we've done in the security world we had uh developed a team and agents that were ready um if she had been elected we were going to be on the border and and essentially doing what texas is doing but doing it um, you know, with private contractors as well as uh, Arizona's own resources. And, and of course, she lost. And, and we can talk a little bit about uh, about why there. But the cartels actually control our border. Um, it, it is not it's it's essentially its own army of, uh, of folks that are controlling our border. It's not our federal government. And so when you see Texas stepping in right now and and our federal government opposing them actively, um, it's it's a, a really you know volatile and dangerous situation that's happening now, but it is interesting to watch for sure. So, um, you know, we've got a, a number of other states that are signing on and sending some of their resources to Texas as well. So you're seeing an open defiance right now of the Supreme Court and the federal government um, in favor of uh, Texas saying, hey, we can secure our borders. And what do you think the motivation is? I mean, like we've, you know, been down conspiracy rabbit holes. And I mean, I guess, you know, the Cliff Notes version is to create chaos and disruption to the point where, you know, crime goes out of control and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, the left also trying to garner more voters potentially. But is it really just to like, create chaos, destroy the fabric of America so that then they can implement a new world order, one world government. I mean, what, what's your breakdown as to the motivation behind having just essentially no border? Yeah, so we, we have this kind of massive attack on sovereignty that's been going on for decades, really. I mean, the, the, the seeds were kind of sown for what we're having now uh, decades ago. And the the real battle is, um, and when I say sovereignty, you know, look, I'm a Christian, um, and uh, God talks about nations, right? Nations are a biblical concept. Uh, there's no vision in Scripture for a one world government, but our battle is against these globalists. That that's what they believe it should be. They want to be centrally planning everything. And, and that goes on down to the sovereignty in our own bodies, which is what the vax and some of those forced mandates were all about. 
they want to destroy the family and and uh and and that's you know uh, an issue of sovereignty there um and now what we're seeing is states have their own sovereignty remember we're a collection of states that agreed to have a federal government that could only that would only handle things that were too big for the states you know uh, wars against other nations things like that you know hey we're all going to get together we're going to band together and we're going to have a federal government that's going to oversee some things but but it didn't mean that the states gave up their sovereignty and so that's what what that battle is about so the uh, when we talk about who are they um, that we're battling against we're battling against those central planners and those globalist authorities that have a different vision if they can break it then they can remake it in their own image and that's kind of what we're seeing at play here it's it's like the psychopathy playbook really it's always evil always always wants control over freedom over the ability to sort of evolve into your real potential really into connecting with god and it goes on Amen. in the personal level you know what i mean like if you're in a toxic relationship it's basically sort of this like corrosive force that where finally your will is broken down and subjugated to somebody else who actually doesn't have your best interest in in mind and you can see the exact same playbook playing out on a on a wide scale cognitive dissonance gaslighting all the usual tropes of narcissistic personality disorder like evil has a thumbprint that is in, in, like insanely identifiable right yeah it's a, it's always the same thing i mean this battle has been going on through history and again you know as a christian man you you kind of understand and see that when you look back to Genesis and and you know what what Satan's aim was for us. I mean, all that stuff goes goes back. It's, so it's it's this these rhythms that you see repeated over and over again. A lot of people right now are railing against the idea of communism as if that's what we're really battling. And and I I put it this way, you know, they're they're using the Marxist playbook for sure. Communism is the sales pitch. But the real vision is for a global feudalism, and that's what we are battling. So if you keep that in mind, I mean, that's why you're, you're seeing the, the World Economic Forum and people like that uh, talking about, hey, you'll be happy and own nothing, um, you know, uh, turn in your steak for cricket powder, you know, you're going to eat bugs, it's better for the environment, you know, while well, they're going to eat steak and they're going to fly on their jets and all that stuff. And so they want to concentrate power into a few people. And that's feudalism. It's feudalism 2.0. Mm. Yeah. And it's all about disconnecting you from your sort of divine purpose, really, at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, right. It's sold as like communism is the big evil. But really, it's a spiritual war that we're in. And it's and we're all in it in, in on a personal level. And I'm assuming your practice with martial arts is one of of extreme focus right of 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 sort of using metacognition to witness your own thoughts because your thoughts are not going to allow you to become a black belt and an expert in anything in order to 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 get to that level i'm assuming you have sort of dealt with that battle from within so therefore you are able to see the external battle for what it is and i think there's so many people who haven't yet dealt with that battle within they're distracted that you know their consciousness is completely usurped by all the sort of flashing lights and the phone which incidentally you bring up genesis has a bitten apple on the back of it dude it's like, <laughs> like 
it's like almost a humiliation ritual when you really think about it because evil doesn't really try to hide itself i mean even like the all of like the sort of whatever you know agenda 2030 or whatever where they lay out all that they're gonna do it's like sort of evil has to allow people to know its intentions so that when they um sort of go along with it they there's in compliance with it and then that way evil owns their soul not just their minds and bodies that because it's really interested in our soul real more than because it's a fight between you know god and the devil i guess you could say yeah you know let's stay on that for a second because they do they tell you what they're gonna do you know it's right. not it's not a hidden agenda and that's what that's what um really i marvel sometimes at people that are going wow can you believe this yeah, I can believe it because they've been writing about this for years. They've laid right. out what their aims are since since really the beginning. And it's interesting because I had a conversation with my dad um, a few years after Barack Obama got elected because my dad was, uh, you know, he uh, he he was was a Republican and a conservative and a, and he was a pastor. But he but he did have a romantic notion of guys like JFK and some of those. And he's like, oh, wow, he seems like the new JFK. And. My dad didn't vote for him, although I, I tease him as if he did. Um, he he thought he uh, he was so surprised when he started behaving very destructively and and very divisively. And and I said, well, Dad, I said you should have just read his book. He Barack Obama told us what his philosophy was. He he wrote about it. He said what he was going to do. So when you're hearing him on the political uh, stump and doing his speaking and talking about coming together and hopey changey stuff and all that, that's not who he was. You know, that was his political message. But but we knew exactly what he wanted to do and what he was planning. So we're the fools that don't pay attention. Yeah, I mean, because we outnumber them, their only real way for them to win is through divide and conquer tactics, you know, and That's it's, right. uh, I mean, it, everyone assumed when Barack Obama was president, black, white, everybody that race relations would improve and in an rational thought would lead you to believe that exactly great. A black guy is president, obviously racism is going away you know anybody can be anything great most of us I, i'm sure you know applauded that uh i know i did i was very hopeful as well i you know i was pretty much uh believing all the sort of liberal narratives at that time i didn't see through any of this yet um so i was like super excited about it but race relations and everything and d division just did nothing but increase. I mean, how did he how did that occur during his presidency, in your view? Oh, well, I mean, just a few simple things. Remember the uh, Trayvon Martin situation where he was saying, oh, that could have been my kid. Um, uh, you know, he, he uh, really uh, bashed the police. He spent a lot of time dividing us and it was very intentional. Um, remember, you know, if they can divide us along tribal uh, lines and they'll use racism, they'll use uh, uh, they use the um, you know wealth, uh, they use all kinds of things throughout history to do it. But as long as we're fighting amongst each other down here, then again, those globalists, those central planners, the people that want to accumulate power and want to be, you know, our lords and want us as slaves. 
they they can do it if we're if we're caught up um you know in in battles that are you know down here kind of in the muck and and that is exactly what that guy did and and if you go back and look through his presidency um you'll you'll see that and once you kind of see it you can't unsee it well said listen let me take a quick break we'll be right back with bryce eddie right after these words on tnt now as we move into an election year in u.s politics at a time when the western empire is under attack from within as if an orchestrated decline is the plan. Whilst at the same time, the rise of BRICS nations represents a rise of a new multipolar order. Institutions that have controlled the world are at last being questioned for their behavior and their failures. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And the truth shall set us free. Those two statements sit at opposite ends of the zeitgeist in a world that is filled with death, destruction, deceit, and a wholesale unwillingness to hold anyone in power to account, except for anyone who takes power against the ruling elite, of course. And then we have seen how that system works. Weekends with Jason Olborn on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Well, we got this guy, Javier Malay. Uh, maybe that's how you say his name. Sue me. I, I, I never grew. So. I never. <laughs> I never went to college, okay? So... For a, just a high school graduate, that's a pretty good guess. Javier Malay, Argentinian's new uh, big man on campus. He gave that crazy speech at the World Economic Forum. Uh, I didn't listen to it at first because the sort of narrative on him was, oh, he's controlled opposition. You know, he shouldn't be trusted. He's saying all the right things, but don't trust him. That's what they say about everybody, about anything. Uh, but I did finally listen to that speech last week, and it was insane. It was such a mic drop. It was he he talked about self empowerment. He said business people are the you know the heart of the world basically, and you know Argent Argentina will be your friend. I mean, did you see that speech? And what was your take on that, Bryce? So I saw clips of it and I read some of the transcripts. Um, but, you know, what was funny is so people, as soon as he uh, as it was announced that he was going to be there speaking, everybody was like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy, see, uh, he tricked us. 
Um, but he right. went there and in their faces called them out and said that their push towards a socialism or communism or things like that leads to poverty. It leads to destruction. He he uh, recounted, uh, you know, how Argentina fell um, because of it and, you know, how they were once so prosperous and destroyed themselves by pursuing some of those things. But I mean, you know, he's an economist. Right. And he and he's a libertarian. He already I mean, within um, days of assuming leadership, he cut um, I think it was something like 21 departments down to nine government departments. He fired a ton of people. I mean, just overnight, the guy made some incredibly bold moves. And and what's interesting about that, and we saw it even when Trump became president, it does not take long for that message to actually get to the people and for it to invigorate an economy. If you start uh, slashing government, mm -hmm. if you start uh, slashing regulatory bodies, the people that are in the way, once you start just even signaling that they're going to be out of the way, people start charging ahead. I mean, it's an amazing thing to witness, and I think we're going to see it. Listen, I watched that whole speech, and it, I, I mean, honestly, it was practically a psychedelic experience. It really was so well written and just like truth after truth after truth after truth. It was crazy. And I felt inspired afterwards. It's like, yes, man, that entrepreneurial spirit, um, you know, this world we're living in and you you're participating in it across the board where you're taking your passions and, and your belief system and you're making businesses out of them. You're, you know, you got a podcast. You just told me you're building an epic new podcast studio and you're helping people with their security and you're a martial arts expert. I mean, what's your take on people? overcoming their own sort of self-imposed limitations or limited self-perception in order to thrive in the space that you're thriving. It strikes me that you had a, a great dad. You already mentioned him, um, and I'm sure that's been helpful. But what are some of the other things that you've had to overcome on your journey to do to get to where you are? Well, hey, uh, you know, I mean, we grew up fairly poor. Um, we were certainly not privileged. And so for me, I mean, it was either I got after it or I starved. And, and you know, that that is a pretty motivating thing. Right now, what we're looking at with this current generation and kind of crops a crop of kids, uh, you know, the millennials, the Gen Xers, um, you know, it started kind of with the Gen Xers, but the millennials and then the uh, Generation Z got too comfortable. Uh, one of the things about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that I, I love to encourage people on is, is it teaches you how to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And, uh, and uh, comfort is our enemy. And so much prosperity uh, uh, that we've had here in the U.S. has been detrimental to these generations because we weren't equipping kids for life. And that was when my uh, my wife and I got married and we were going to have kids. That was the the kind of the um, mission that we gave ourselves is our job is to equip our girls for life and and make sure that uh, that they have the tools. And you and and you and you do it by teaching them to work, by giving them challenging things. There's a uh, my daughters are all uh, very high level musicians and um, and they uh, they're violinists and uh, they went through when they were little uh, what's called the suzuki method and dr suzuki has this concept of easy plus one in terms of developing kids and that can be applied to music of course 
but it can be applied to anything. You give them tasks that are just hard enough for them to stretch and, and for them to grow. And that grows confidence. We, we should not be trying to grow self-esteem. I mean, what I admire myself, because that's what esteem means is to admire, right? And should we be admiring ourselves? No, we, we should be learning to work and developing the confidence that comes from achievement. And, and we lost that so much in our, in our kind of just general culture. And that's why, you know, these, these kids that are um, uh, coming up now are struggling, but I do see a change. High school boys right now are trending many times more conservative than, than the uh, generation right above them. And, and that gives, I think, a lot of hope for this next uh, crop coming up. Yeah, I hear you about the self-esteem thing, but I think most people are mired in such a low self-esteem. They have so much toxic shame and so much unresolved anger towards themselves and probably towards their mothers and fathers that they can't help but procrastinate and get lost in addictions and scrolling and the addictions are getting better and better. I can only imagine what happens when what the goggles and all that. And like I saw that you can they have that new environment you can walk on without moving. And I mean, just and if you take that also to the the area of pornography and people are going to be able to have like, <laughs> you know, there there's going to be people in rooms with these goggles attached to them dying from starvation and dehydration. I mean, it's already happened with video games and just the like rats being like hitting the dopamine button over and over and over again. It's interesting because I'm in New York and this is like Lou Reed territory. And I don't know if you know who Lou Reed is or the mm -hmm, Velvet sure. Underground, but he was a very subversive artist and wasn't afraid of garnering controversy and being hated all the time. Like he would put out a record of just n like noise and, and people would just say, I hate you. Lou Reed, you know, and even his last record before he left planet earth was, uh, 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 collaboration with Metallica that was chastised beyond. So the, the world said like F you to him on his way out. And interestingly, his last day on planet earth, he practiced Tai Chi, which is also awesome to think about. Like he was a, he was a spiritual warrior of sorts, but that ability to act subversively to garner social shame to be to have to take the jeers of the crowd i mean some of us endured that during the, the COVID era we spoke out against mrna and you know we got canceled and smeared relentlessly um but like thoreau says most men leave lies lead lives of uh, quiet desperation with their songs still in them when they die. And so I've been thinking a lot about this, that your purpose is found on the other side of courage. What we, we need to Amen. do is get people to have enough self-esteem to where they can uh, commit a courageous act, to where they can then go into the dark night of the soul, to where they can then allow their ego to die and get into their spirit and let their spirit sort of drive the the hot rod of their life if you will you know what i mean and be and we need more and more people to do that and to see that that's the path um i think you have done that right yeah um i i have and again i think it was because it was uh you know necessary right i i didn't have a choice and what we've done with uh many of this uh, of these uh kids and, and people who are who are really in desperate situations now is we've made it easy 
for them to to check out and numb themselves. Um, and by the way, that's part of the plan. So uh, uh, Yuval Noah Harari, who's uh, the World Economic Forum's kind of sage, right? He's their he's their guy that that uh, lays out their uh, philosophies and and. Um, yeah, he wrote that book, Sapiens, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was sort of celebrating him. This is a guy who has said that, uh, what are we going to do with all of the useless people? He says, well, I think it's going to be a combination of video games and drugs. That's what they're setting us up for. And right. And, uh, and right now, you know, uh, parents should become in charge of their kids and and we and and the state should not be in charge of their kids and we've got uh people who are just kind of relinquishing the authority over their children and relinquishing um you know their responsibilities or abdicating their responsibility with raising good solid citizens and that means don't give them screens when they're young i mean we my daughters did not have um iphones and uh screens and things like that they shared one phone when we moved into our new house um uh, years ago uh we didn't get a house phone so we gave them one cell phone that they shared which kind of created a policing situation and you know they were busy uh doing good things you know we had them in music we had them their time was dominated by good activities and not amusement uh, parents mm. spend so much time amusing their kids when they're young. And I just do not believe that that is good for children because they get addicted to that amusement. And then you here you are going out to dinner and sticking a screen in front of their face instead of having them be with you at dinner. And, you know, uh, interesting story along those lines. We went to a Ruth Chris to celebrate my wife's birthday and my girls were were like 12 and under. Um, my youngest was was maybe six. And uh, and uh, maybe they were a little bit younger than that, but they were but they were um, ordering on their own, um, you know, looking at the waitress in the eyes um, and they were uh, enjoying the dinner and they were talking about their favorite uh, composers as we're sitting around this dinner table. And, and people were noticing the wait staff was remarking, wow, your girls are so well behaved and and people uh, walking by. The only other person in that entire place with a child that wasn't in front of the uh, a screen um, uh, was a uh, oh gosh his name just escaped me it'll come to me in a moment but um, uh, famous comedian um, oh shoot wow it was on the tip of my tongue but anyway um, a guy that you wouldn't expect hopefully it'll come to me in a moment um, but but he was sitting uh, over in the distance engaging with his daughter too. And, and it was really just fun to witness. Do not amuse your kids. All right. You've hit a nerve with me with this one, dude. <laughs> because I have a two and a half year old who I spend a lot of time with. And she uh, constantly says, I want Kiki. I want Kiki, which is code for cartoons, you know, Um how do you, how did you deal with this when your kids were in their you know toddler years i mean she also wants ice cream i mean we've we've caved enough obviously to where she's gotten a, a taste of this and wants it and of course i resist it and don't give it to her all the time but i also allow her to zone out here and there you know so what's the balance and how did you deal with it uh, in their toddler years okay so think of it like booze 
right? You know, there are so many things that God gives us that that are that's okay for us to enjoy, but it has to be within. Uh, it has to be restrained. It has to be within moderation. And, and, and that includes all kinds of addictive things and, and screens are addictive for these kids, right? Um, when, when they did not have, um, screens available, we had books, we had little books for the kids. We had, um, you know, coloring, drawing art. And, and if you, if you withdraw that stuff and, and you, you know, wean and you can wean her off of it. And, and I'm not saying never, right. But if you, right. if you get it to where it's, it's, uh, you'll you'll have a fit. You'll have uh, some tantrums. You'll have some like withdrawal symptoms, essentially, because yeah. it is it is addictive. addictive. But but you can overcome that. And and my girls invented some of the most fun games. They did regular charades that included. They would make elaborate costumes and things and work out Bible stories together. I mean, they did all kinds of really fun stuff with their imaginations. They. They got other kids in the neighborhood and they did this like they they played what they called old fashioned days and they hung hung clotheslines in our front yard and they and they went on a wagon train around the neighborhood. I mean, they did all these like amazing things with all the kids. They had fun. None of it was, you know, them being focused Mm. on on a screen. That's helpful, man. I'm totally inspired. I just had a bunch of ideas. I mean, listen, I'm I'm not trying to like also cast myself as a bad dad because I don't think I am one. You know, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. It's, it's a it, learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> but and if you're I, aware, I, and if you're aware of this, you're you're yeah. not a bad dad. No, I'm totally aware of it, and I take her into activity zone all the time as well. Um, you know, it's a constant thing you have to it's you got to be on and so some of it is your own needing a break too which is okay but it just has to be it just has to be like yeah measured and stuff like that listen i want to talk i want to ask you a little bit about trump and see your take because we um you know met we're at that phoenix thing uh with siaka massaqua the great siaka massaqua introduced us what was that phoenix thing america fest right uh which was a big basically a big MAGA kind of situation. And there's obviously we know that there is um, Trump derangement syndrome. But do you think it's also, you know, I don't know, are you aware of Anomaly, that character? He's a pretty famous YouTuber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and he's and he, he was very, very mad at Trump now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's very anti-Trump. And uh, he's got some good points in my view as well. And um, I'm just curious for your take on it. And do you think Trump derangement syndrome is swinging both ways? Like there's Trump derangement syndrome and there's Trump savior syndrome. And I think both are negative and not really resembling reality. I'm wondering what your take is. Does it, it, it you probably saw a couple of weeks back, Tim Pool having the meltdown about, um, you know, uh, one of his co-hosts was bringing up the fact that Trump still hasn't, uh, you know, warn people against the mRNA jab and and how and or walked his involvement with that back and the, how that's still a major concern. And it really evidently is. And Tim Pool's like, I'm sick of this and anomaly doing his takedown of Tim Pool. And that's pretty hysterical. A uh, little bit of pop culture for us here in the whatever truth movement. It's fun. Um, but I'm I'm curious of your take on all that. And let's get that on the other side of these words on TNT. 
Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Not only does the government want to put Donald Trump in jail, the media doesn't want you to hear what he has to say. Take his victory speech after winning the Iowa caucuses this past week. At this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, We will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, We will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. MSNBC would not bring their viewers Trump's comments live after he won. Why? That is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, And honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his remarks tonight will not air here live. We will monitor them um, and let you know about any news that he makes. And this censorship of Trump by the media is exactly what the same media tells you Trump will do to them if he's elected. Wow. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better lives together. You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Joseph Arthur's Technicolor Dreamcast. All right, Bryce, so what is it? Is there a a phenomenon going on? We know Trump derangement syndrome exists. Do you uh, reckon there's Trump salvation syndrome as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, uh, you know, nutty things happen on both sides, right? And uh, and people um, want a Messiah, right? And there's no other Messiah than the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So there are people, though, that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that um, love to put Trump in that place. And no matter what he does, there's no criticizing him. There's no, uh, you know, none of that, right? He, he is not a perfect guy by any stretch. I've got all kinds of things that I wish he wasn't. Right. I've got all kinds of things that I look at and and think that he um, could do better. Um, You know, I was not a Trump guy the first uh, in the first election. Um, You know, I I, I preferred Ted Cruz at the time. And then Trump surprised me with how conservatively he actually governed and and, uh, how many things he did well. Um, You know, there's there's things that I don't like about his character. But, you know, we're not electing um, 
uh, a, a messiah, right? And you know, I, I think it's uh, P- Pastor Rob McCoy, who's who's my pastor, uh, said that uh, you know the you're always voting for the lesser of two evils unless Jesus Christ is on the ticket. And so you know, we have to we have to understand that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I like I love Tim Pool. Um, I've met him a few times. I love Anomaly. Uh, those guys are great. But but I, I understand Anomaly's position um, with Trump not acknowledging that there were incredible missteps in the lockdowns. Trump failed us in the lockdowns. Now, almost all of the politicians did. Right. And and Trump got super excited and pumped as a businessman would that he accomplished this warp speed thing and got these vaccines roll out. So there's like the business side of where he was proud that he cut through the red tape and all that stuff. And I think that that's what he's fixated on. And, Mm -hmm. and so he's saying, Hey, I accomplished something that I set out to accomplish, not saying, Oh, wow, I did something super destructive to us. And we should, we should have not, uh, gone down that path, you know, but Trump has never been a guy to apologize throughout his entire business career. He's never been a guy that goes, Hey, I was wrong about that. Um, you know, that's, that's his major character flaw. The other character flaw that he had mm-hmm. was that he was terrible at picking people to run his government. Right. Um, you yeah. know, and, and, and he approached it like a businessman does and and did not understand how deep the establishment ran. He he ran afoul of the intelligence departments. You know, the intelligence services, um, you know, are, are largely responsible for taking him out. Um, you know, a lot of what's gone on with the what, what everybody calls the deep state. I mean, it's not really conspiratorial to identify that you have a whole bunch of people that are very, very wealthy in government that that have a tremendous amount of power and and they don't want anybody to disrupt that and uh, mm-hmm. and Trump was a disruptor and and um, the the whole of the establishment which includes Democrats and Republicans do not want this guy to win again and and I think that there's a real danger they've they've tried to assassinate his character they they they're using lawfare this is fifth generation warfare well when all of that fails and he gets the nomination and is is really um, uh, on track to be our president again. Um, uh, Biden is in the 30 um, percent when it comes to his approval rating. No president has ever been reelected uh, with his low of a approval rating. And I don't care how hard they fortify the election. It, it, it's going to be really tough for them to uh, pl- to do enough shenanigans to win. So. They're desperately looking to eliminate this guy. And uh, that that's where you have assassinations and things like that on the table. And I do think that that the, those are real possibilities. I mean, you know, Anomaly's point, that's all well said. I totally agree. You know, Anomaly's point is really good. It's like this is not helpful. It's not helpful to deify somebody and to not... Uh, call them to task on the real sort of Agreed. missteps they've made and and you're not helping trump you would help him if, if he came out and said hey you know with the not with the information i had at the time i did the best i could i i got it passed and through but you know obviously there's some alarming uh data coming out and we're seeing things that you know 
is alarming. I mean, I think he would be unbeatable if he did that, you know, because this, no matter what, you know, Tim Pool thinks, a lot of people were still concerned. And we have disease X coming out. And even though, you know, COVID, I think most people see through that at this point and, and understand that the vaccine was a disaster. That just seems obvious to anyone who's vaguely paying attention. Um, however, it won't stop them from trying more stuff along these lines. And if we have a president who's shown that he's aligned with their interest, which Trump really has, I mean, um, then that that could be dangerous in the future. Yeah, no, no. And, and you are right. And those are all excellent points. And I do not disagree with Anomaly on that at all. But there is no way in hell that you're going to get Trump to change his fundamental character along those lines and acknowledge that he's made a mistake. That is that is not that guy. And we have to recognize that. Um, I, I think he would do it differently if he if if it was uh, the same situation, knowing what he knows now. But but you aren't going to suddenly get that dude to to come back around and, and admit to any kind of mistake. Okay, so what do you think to, you know, interesting, like we met at the American Fest and the cult of personalities that is arising out of that and, you know, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely powerful characters are rising in, in the so-called truth movement as well. And so the usual human foibles show up, you know what I mean? It becomes yep. disappointing. And then also within the so-called truth movement, there's been more division in particularly Israel-Palestine conflict, whereas a lot of us who called out mRNA are also saying, hey, cease fire. This is like, this is crazy, you know? Um, and then a lot of people in that movement are like, how dare you? What are you, a Hamas sympathizer? Um, you must be anti-Semitic, which is the new, you're a grandma killer as far as I'm concerned, because I'm just concerned on a humanitarian level. I'm not pro-Hamas. I just know that Gaza is like populated by 50% children. And I'm going to say, don't drop bombs on them. You know, that just seems basic. It, and my heroes are Lou Reed, Bob Dylan, and Leonard Cohen. I do not hate Jewish people. Those are all Jewish people. Plus, some yeah. of my best friends are Jewish, you know, like, it's like ridiculous. Um, what do you think to that, the, the division amongst the sort of so-called truth movement, and also the problematic rise of powerful individuals within it? Yeah. So um, anytime someone accumulates fame, uh, uh, they accumulate power as well. Right. You know, there's there's a um, there's a currency there and that currency can be corrupting. The more uh, money you have, the more fame you have, the more um, amplified your faults can be. And so um, so, you know, you, you have to be. Um, Again, not deifying anyone in any of these movements, right? Um, I, you know, I, I I know Charlie Kirk well because I serve on one of his boards, and so I'm I'm a part of TPUSA, and um, and that's something that gets talked about. And and thankfully, you know, Charlie is a very strong character and and has some really amazing advisors, and he's very humble uh, in that regard. So I I have um, a hope for him to um, always continue on on that path of humility that he has. And I think very, very highly of him. And, and again, he's he's got good, good, strong board of advisors around him. And and um, and I think that's really important for 
TPUSA is an organization which is the um, uh, creator of, of AmFest in that event. Um, I think there's some amazing rising stars. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think, is one of the most interesting guys in the movement. Um, uh, there's there's others. Um, but then there is going to be these these uh, fights that go on. And, you know, my passion in life and, and I sit in the middle of a bunch of different groups that kind of overlap. And, and my passion is to keep us all rowing in the same direction because that's how we win and not get caught up in all those differences and those infightings and things like that. Because, of course, that's what the enemy, both the enemy with a capital E and the enemies with, uh, with a, a lowercase e, that's what they want. You know, if we're divided, we fail. Um, so, you know, in, in regards to the Israel ceasefire situation, I don't believe that uh, a ceasefire is possible. I, I have a heart for children, obviously. I do not believe any of the propaganda that comes out of uh, Gaza and Hamas. Um, uh, giving them money, um, it goes directly to Hamas and supports terrorism. It, it can't go to the people. It cannot help them. I also have a very radical and, and uh, a very uh, hawkish view of what I think Israel should do there um, that, that would probably light you up a little bit. Um, I, I believe uh, that the only option is to wipe Hamas off the face of the earth. And I also uh, understand the historical um, uh the historical significance of Israel, uh, uh, that land, um, Palestine is a is a made up um, uh, country. It's never existed truly as a state, um, and and of course they uh, exist to be at enmity with Israel, and and they are um, uh, uh, that that and that tension will always exist there, um, and so I, I think that it needs to be cured in some fairly aggressive ways mitigate how do you as best how, we can the, yeah, the, the, I mean, the death of kids but you can't do you can't do one without the other that's the problem and then how do you um sort of blend that view with jesus saying something as basic as thou shall not kill i mean just even in, in a in a christian sense i'm completely against it i just we should not kill i'm a a, a peace a peace guy in that regard how do you uh, yeah. how do you bl blend those things? Yeah. So, well, well, first, um, it's thou shalt not murder. And there's a big difference between killing and murder, um, mm -hmm. because uh, because all throughout the Old and New Testament, there is killing and war is a, a fact of our existence in this fallen world um, and and things like self-defense. And there are, um, you know, biblical stories, if you if you read through where where um, uh, civilizations and people, groups of people were wiped out down to a man um, and even women and children were killed um, uh, under God's orders. So um, we, we can't be naive um, and, and imagine that that isn't a reality of, of life and our existence in this fallen world. Now, that being said, I do have problems with Israel as a government. They are not perfect. They are far from it. They are a secular government, um, and and so there there I have I have great issues and and great concern about how they handle uh, themselves in in uh, a war situation like this. But but for them to cease fire, 
um, you know, is it would be Israel saying, OK, fine, we cease fire. The uh, attacks against Israel from Hamas will never stop. Hmm. Well, OK, listen, that's that's a giant conversation. And we have four minutes left in this interview. So I and I did want to get to gun safety and your work sure. with that, um, because interestingly, I heard you talk about the fact that you think not everyone should own guns and you usually gun activists or second amendment people i think i get the idea that they think everyone should have a gun who do you think should have a gun and who shouldn't and why yeah so i i am a um a, a very very robust pro second amendment guy um when i have said this i have gotten all kinds of criticism um because you know the the uh, second amendment folks are are rabid and um, and you can you can tick them off if you even have the perception of uh, of, um, you know, saying something that is against that. Right. And I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is with uh, with the power of that tool comes tremendous responsibility. And a lot of people think that that is a holy talisman. Oh, I've got a gun. I'm safe now. Um, right now, our cities are falling to pieces and you're you're seeing a lot of people who are even liberals calling me who said that they would never own a gun saying, hey, Bryce, where do I get a gun? <laughs> oh, what? There's a 10 day wait. I, I, that doesn't make sense. Uh, you know, it's 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 comical. Um, but the truth is, is it requires a tremendous amount of training. It requires a tremendous amount of of seriousness if you are going to purchase a firearm that's why i say that it is not for everybody and no not everybody should own one that being said i do think it's uh it's part of um your responsibility as american to to you know learn how to shoot learn how to handle a weapon um you know get familiar uh with the, the with how to handle them safely and and go for it i mean i you know i i um love it i love shooting sports and you know obviously in in uh in my profession and other things that i do um it's it's also a necessary tool and in terms of you you talking about with guns it's about learning how to fight with a gun like too many people get a gun and they think that that's everything th that they need to deal with um that is enough to protect them but your uh, point is that it's actually a, a tool in fighting and you need to learn how to fight with it yeah no i mean if you're going to own a gun and it's going to be for self-defense you need to become a gun fighter um i i always in jujitsu i teach people how to fight i do not teach self-defense because if you know how to fight, then you can defend yourself. And it's the same thing with a firearm. People don't go and buy a sword and 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 then think that they can use it and think that they're going to be able to defend themselves with it. Um, you need to be um, very intentional and it needs to be something that you train regularly. You don't take one self-defense class and think that you can now handle yourself. No, learn to fight. All right, Bryce, Eddie, thank you for coming on. Tell everybody how to find you. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on my uh, my channel, uh, Super Bryce. Uh, uh, well, uh, the Bryce Eddie Show on on Rumble and all the podcast apps, and then my um, social media Instagram is uh, Super Bryce Eddie and uh, Bryce Eddie One on Twitter. Thanks for coming on, man. I hope you had fun, and uh, uh, I would love to learn how to fight. Maybe in 30 seconds, you can say how to fight. Can you do it in 10 hey, seconds? Uh, 
Hey, there's a there's great places in Arizona. If you're going to spend one thing, uh, uh, you know, like minimum effective dose, one year of jujitsu, and you'll have a superpower. All right, I'm going to do that then. All right, Bryce Eddy, thanks for coming on. We'll see you real soon. And keep listening, everybody. We'll be right back with more on TNT.